Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the NXT War Games review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamlet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on last night's NXT War Games pay per view. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review pay per views, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage. We also have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet to review War Games. Uh, the first pay per view of the 2.0 era, no takeover word attached to this one, probably with good reason. But what did you make of it all, Hamlet? Uh, I think, rather than just speaking for myself, this is the most rubbish wrestling that you could realistically be entertained by. I think that's my classification across this whole card. There were a couple of genuine emotional highs. There were quite, quite a few ludicrous and cheesy lows. But as a viewing experience, I think this was probably worth people's time. Mm. Um, Time being the operative word, because it didn't outstay its welcome. Like, it didn't run too long or take the piss or anything. Um, a lot of it was crap. Like, a lot of this was objectively rubbish. Um, you could pick at the threads, but they're not threads. They're just full, clipped-in bits of stitching that you rip apart and the clothes just tear away completely. And we're not just, like, sort of going to pick on tiny little minor details here. There are phenomenal issues with a couple of say like the heel babyface dynamics in multiple <laughs> yeah. matches on this card there are logicals that are like so big i think even the biggest meatheads in the performance center could fall into them and yet not an awful time at all this show no, I, don't. I had a really enjoyable time watching this. Like you say, there's a lot of caveats that we'll no doubt get into. But at the end of it all, I thought, I'm glad that wasn't TakeOver because, yeah, yeah I realised gotcha. <laughs> why they wouldn't want to try and, you know, compare the two. But I thought it's it did what it set out to do. And there will be moments that I will fondly remember from this pay-per-view going forward. And I think... That's kind of the best we could hope for. We were quite pessimistic on our preview last week. And uh, yeah, terrifying bumps aside, Mm. well, we'll talk about it. Let's dive straight into it. Let's start with the uh, Women's War Games match, which opened it up. It was Toxic Attraction, uh, the NXT 2.0 women's champion and the women's tag champs and Dakota Kai versus Kaylee Ray, Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai and Cora Jade and the match starts as it should do with two of the more experienced people in there Dakota Kai, uh, who grabs some kendo sticks, and Kaylee Ray, who brought a great baseball bat. Which, yeah, lots <laughs> of plunder in this women's match. They uh, every single time someone came in, they brought something with them. By the way, just chatting to Andy about this, who was it? Who, let me just check my notes here. Who brought in was it Gigi? Dolan. Gigi Dolan with a with a Ziploc bag of stuff. Yeah. Did that I not... didn't go back to. Yeah, okay, no, I thought so. I, that's no that unless like it was done off camera and there was just say like uh, their own private stash of kendo sticks because there was four million kendo sticks. <laughs> like I I thought exactly that as well. 
Like it was only like probably a good 45 minutes later where I bolted forward. What about that bag? What about that hold all? Mm. Like maybe, maybe it was just their own weapons that rather than just going under the ring for the endless free stash, he thought, I want to save some of them for myself. It's a bit like when we get um, sent in some delicious galaxy chocolate to the What Culture <laughs> office. It'd be a bit like sort of stashing a little bit on your desk first thing in the morning before everybody gets in and takes them themselves. It's still the same galaxy as all the other galaxy in the office. It, they're still the same kendo sticks as all the other sticks under the ring. She's just like, I'm going to take them so nobody else gets them first, just in case all the rest get broken. Maybe she was just, maybe she's worked in offices before and she understands how admin works at this time of year. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know whether it was going to have like, you know, thumbtacks in or, or what, but yeah, it wasn't quite. What well, didn't Pat McAfee have branded tables for all of the Undisputed yeah. Era? Yeah. It was just, I, I, like you say, I only just realized that when I was running back through the show. I was like, did they ever use what was like? Because I know Tony brought in a crowbar, for example. And they did all that sort of stuff in the men's one. And I was like, did they ever actually use that? Anyway, let us know if anyone spotted what they actually came out of that bag anyway, at what culture WWE on Twitter. But as I said, Dakota Kai and Kaylee Ray starts it off. Uh, back and forth between those two. Uh, Kaylee Ray makes a comeback, sent on uh, on Kai as she goes for the baseball bat. And then she twats her with a kendo stick and drops her off this weird kendo stick bridge that they built along the bottom ropes between the two rings. Cora Jade runs down, brings a skateboard. Well, she's not going to be riding it, so she might as well use it. Um, she uh, comes in. Uh, sorry, we have to, like, we look, we're going to talk quite a bit about Cora Jade in this video sense, so let's just get this out of the way now. She really nearly stacked it in her entrance. And just don't give a skateboard. Give it something. I can't skateboard that well. Like, I don't skateboard into work because no. I can't do it. Like, I just cannot fathom why this of all things. If you want to, like, make a, like, gimmick, what pop punk, I guess, would be the yeah. other element, other element of this characteristic. Just have it be that. Just like go full dynamic dude, but remove the skateboard and put the like sort of old fashioned get no blaster on the side of a thing mm. to carry instead. You can use that as a weapon and just have some Blink One Eighty Two blasting out the speakers. At least that way she doesn't risk injury before she's made it into the double cage match because she very nearly went when she came out. So she takes down uh, Dakota Kai with an Enzigurian and a running knee, and then yeah. Uh, we already said it's weird for the babyface team to have the numbers advantage. And then they just played into it, just beating down Dakota Kai, both of them. Uh, thankfully, Gigi Dolene is in next. Uh, lovely tribute to Daphne as well from her, which I appreciated. Uh, she brings in a trash can on that duffel bag that never gets used. Um, eventually, uh, Jade gets the better of her, puts a trash can over her head, drop kicks it, uh, and then Ray hits Kai with uh, something with a can on, trash can on her head. Love, always love those spots. Io Shirai came <laughs> I was furious, by the way. She brought in chairs and some more trash cans and went to put the trash can on her head to start off. Uh, but yeah. she got jumped before that could happen. I was furious. That made me really turn on the uh, heel team. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that they were fighting from underneath for large parts of this match. Um, so they're messing about with, uh, with all the gimmicks. Uh, allows... Dakota Kai and Gigi Dolene to regain control. JC Jane comes down. She brings in a load of tables. Uh, Kaylee Ray gets pump, quick, pump kicked through two chairs. Um, but then JC Jane accidentally kicks Gigi Dolene as she goes to attack someone. And Dio Shirai hits corner knees using a trash can lead. Um, Kaylee Ray uh, and the rest of them pop JC Jane up on a table. And Cora Jade says, no, nope, it's all right, EO, I've got this climbs all the way top to the top of the sinister strip and hits this wild senton bomb and then sells her sort of arm, you know, uh, like almost like a dislocation. And I thought, oh, wow, that's a really clever, you know, spot. I'm slightly concerned, but I think she's fine because they're not doing the dreaded X and she's rolling about a bit. And then they replayed it and I was like, wow, she nearly forgot to rotate there. So she's selling her arm rolling around, sort of talking to the referees on the outside, you know, chatting, getting a bit of attention, medical attention. And Neo Shirai goes, no, it's all right, I got it. And she just pops her arm back into place. I thought that was <laughs> incredible. I love that. Um, just to make it even more of a numbers advantage, the Bayouvace team then bring in Raquel Gonzalez, who brings in a whole load more weapons. Um, as she goes to get more, though, before she properly enters the match. Dakota Kai and Gigi Dolene just hold the door shut. 
So Raquel Gonzalez sprays them with a fire extinguisher, comes in, twats everyone in sight, uh, drops to cut a car with a trash can. Um, uh, sorry, drops her in a trash can, I should say, and then swings her around in it. <laughs> um then everyone starts climbing the cage at that point. Gonzalez uh, takes out two, two of them with a double spine buster, just reminding you how talented and how strong she is and how much if you're not going to do anything with her, put her on the main roster. Um, again, she puts Dakota Kai in a trash can uh, and Io Shirai moonsaults through it because oh, Io Shirai is just brilliant, basically. Finally, Mandy Rose comes down uh, and they get separated, the two teams. They're on they're on in either ring and then they come together. And at one point, it suddenly looks like, I don't know what this was, Kaylee Ray looked like she was suddenly going to turn on the injured Cora Jade. But then it was a trick, I think, to allow them to take out Dakota Kai. Eventually, um, again, Graco Gonzalez hit some huge power moves. Double powerbomb uh, on Gigi Dolin and JC Jane. Um, oh, she goes for that anyway, and Mandy Rose cuts her off with a kendo stick shot. Um, Gonzalez gets taken out with chair shots, uh, gets covered, but Cora Jade breaks it up. She's still selling her arm, still selling her shoulder. Um, they isolate her. It looks like it's going to be a 4-1 beatdown, but she's swinging a kendo stick for all she's worth. Eventually, the numbers catch up to her. Rose uh, hits that running knee, but Cora Jade stunningly kicks out. Everyone hits some huge moves. Uh, and Gonzalez hits a bomb thing on uh, JC Jane. And as Gigi Dolin and Gonzalez both pump kick each other to take each other out, basically, Cora Jade sees her opportunity and crawls on top of Jane, despite her injury, to get the one, two, three. Hey, where to start, man? Where to, I, I know this wasn't a good match, but I also know what I hate, and I didn't hate this. Mm. <laughs> I, I kind of... We'll do the bad stuff first, I guess. And then some of the good. A, a lot of this was just nonsense weapons stuff. A lot of it wasn't particularly that well joined together. There were a number of sustained periods where everybody was forced to sell nothing because two wrestlers out of a possible 10 at various points were having to set up one spot between the two of them. Um, and there was quite a lot of that. And it felt a little artless. You know, like a little, I was critical of Cody and Andrade. People can't be doing that much and I can't be feeling so little. Mm. You know, like there was elements of that throughout this, end to end, featuring the more experienced and the less experienced wrestlers. So I don't want to particularly single out anybody for criticism in that regard. Um, I could have done without as well the... Um, particularly from Toxic Attraction, but we kind of highlight them for this in generic matches, let alone the war games. Some of the acting that went on, some of the, the you know, maybe they would have fit on the black and gold brand after all, the way that they were questioning the duality of self and the way that they were, you know, sort of... It was a bit emoting. where Cora Jade seemed shocked with herself for kicking out. Aye, man, that, like, a double shocked kick-out face. They saw Ruby Soho, <laughs> like, hold my Shawn Michaels. Like, <laughs> they thought we can get both wrestlers to do it at the same time. Um, I, like, a lot of that stuff that is just tired beyond measure. Um, you you kind of, they are trying to tell you goosebumps and you look down at your arm and the bumps have gone inward and you, your arm just looks like the surface of the moon instead, created because it's <laughs> the, total op- the total opposite of the ability to feel anymore. Um, and yet, the stuff that was really good, some of the intricate, violent set pieces were genuinely thrilling. I would relate them more to shocks than anything else, mm. but they were really pleasing shocks. Dakota Kai being slam dunked into a bin and then spun around was fantastic. Yeah, it's great. That, I, think, I, think, I think you referenced this in the play-by-play, that pump kick into the two chairs, mm. like, from Kaylee, uh, Kaylee Ray, like... The chairs weren't set up for that, and she took that by surprise, and she took it in the worst possible. I mean that in the best possible way. Like She's that was so an opportunity, Ray man. Jeez, so great, man. Like an opportunistic moment of violence from the heels in a playground full of weapons. Like really, really like that. Um, Cora Jade getting in the middle of a game of rock paper scissors between Io Shirai and Kaylee yes. Ray, the, ex- the experienced wrestlers of who was gonna. One of them being like. 
one of us is going to do the awful thing, but we've done awful things before, so we're going to do one again. And she, like, walking through the middle of that game of rock, paper, scissors to take the moment for herself, genuinely inspired character-driven stuff. No, she walked through it. She didn't skateboard through it. Like, <laughs> I didn't even mind the um, amount of time it took to get to the Io Shirai popping the shoulder back in spot. That would have been like ordinarily, come on, like everybody is down selling so you can give the stage to the actors. But <laughs> a pretty unique little thing to set up. Like what they've done there, like I'm hesitant to say that NXT has got its finger on the pulse, but it's certainly got its podcast subscribed to What Culture because we talk all the time about the fact that like, we're not all worried for the health and safety of someone like a Cora Jade in the war games. Mm. And they build that into the match. They know that people are watching this thinking, it's, this is dangerous. This is legit dangerous. So they make a spot out of it. Like, I can't be like, I think that's relatively artistic for mm. NXT. They have maybe spotted what people are saying and what people think about the risks that they shouldn't be taking with some of these greener talent. And they've used it. And, I, and then she gets the win at the end, which in itself is a reasonably well told, isolated story of bravery and mm. a way to put over the exact same thing you were trying to get over in the main event in a far more subtle way. You didn't need to do new guys, old guys, this is the story. You just very slyly had a new guy get a big win while surrounded with the help of the old people. The women are effectively showing the men that it doesn't need to be about broad stroke dividing lines. It can be about people coming together and elevating others. And there was something I really liked about that. I just wish some of the execution wasn't quite so ham-fisted and cheesy. And I'm not, I remain really, really unconvinced about, um, less so Mandy Rose. I, I always say toxic attraction, and I should probably be a bit more specific. Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, I remain unconvinced by uh, what it is they can do. I got the worst excesses of two years ago, Shotzi Blackheart in their performances mm. here. And I, don't know if NXT is the place where you smoothen that out. If anything, I would imagine that sort of thing's encouraged. So I'm not sure if we'll just if they're not just not doing what they're told and going backstage and getting a standing ovation from the agents, from Shawn Michaels for how goddamn real it all looked, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, moments here that were really genuinely quite absorbing. And this is probably going to temporarily at least give you that sort of, there's a Cora Jade push coming short term i don't expect it to win the title but it's going to be it's going to give her purpose isn't it now for the next mm. sort of month two months of television i could see her getting the new year's evil shot and the kaylee ray thing i quite like if you're going to have crazy character unhinged characters kaylee ray and dakota kai we talked about on the review they're the unhinged ones aren't they doing this at the same time you know all this sort of thing turns out kaylee ray's unhingedness is with a game plan because it was dakota kai she suckered in when pretending to attack cora jade so even that i feel is like quite logical from an in-character point of view. Like, really had its moments, this. Mm. And uh, I will like point to point out the uh, tweet from Brian Alvarez because Cora Jade on commentary was described as being wise beyond her years for attempting a cover in a War Games match. Uh, NXT commentary can just swivel. It's, I'm surprised that he just said it rather than screened it. Um, oh, and as well, you did mention it, but I... There on our preview, if you recall, I pitched Cora J going in as early as possible because it was the only way to disadvantage the baby faces. And by putting her in second, they had to do a spot where they hit two suplexes in a row. And then Dakota Kai counted the third one with a double DDT as a heel. That's right, isn't it? I've got the order. And they, right. they were stomping on her in the corner at one point as well. And I was like, yay? Question mark. Baby. Babyfaces should never win the order. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Yeah. Or, or, or worse, or worse, and we'll get to this, babyfaces shouldn't be on a heel team. More on that later. Mm. Uh, so we get a, a series of promos, which was fantastic. It's absolutely sensational, because I saved loads of time skipping through these, because we'd seen most of them <laughs> on, on NXT. One of them we haven't, and oh, we'll get to that in a bit, Michael Hamflet. Uh, but we yes, did please. get the confirmation that getting the preview is going to be so good tomorrow by the way tomorrow oh my dear god what a day of podcasting we've got for you busy day today obviously smackdown review rampage review this review raw preview tomorrow raw review nxt 2.0 preview we meet the shaman this tuesday and don't tell anyone 
but it's the what culture Christmas party tomorrow. So it's going to be college. The NXT preview, <laughs> NXT 2.0 preview is going to be probably off cut, if we're honest, but still. Uh, anyway, uh, we've got Team Black and Gold backstage uh, talking about the fact that this isn't just their moment as a team. This is Johnny Gargano's moment individually. And he talks about this potentially, you know, being his first war games, but also maybe his last time. I'll get your thoughts on his future in due course. Because next up, we got the best friends inseparable team the team they should just be called team hard uh von wagner <laughs> uh, and kyle o'reilly versus imperium which is uh, and i was talking about joseph connors uh today on the news apparently now a free agent he's so good nxt uk not doing enough with him but it does feel a little bit feel a bit like phoebe and i know phoebe and i know phoebe and Agnes here and marcel bartel because oh my god this match was all about fabian eichner he was a revelation i thought for me oh god that is a deep pull but those who know it will yeah. know and love what you've just done there yeah are you are, are, what you mean are you referring to the top baby face of nxt 2.0 <laughs> yes you? so right in the match itself was Evog standard NXT 2.0 tag match involving Galarine and Von Wagner. Kyle O'Reilly, he's a really good wrestler, but he's not very big, is he? So we'll just have him take all the offense and then Von Wagner come in and run wild. He did. Wagner early on comes in, back suplex, diving head, but uh, O'Reilly comes back in oh, and immediately gets isolated by Imperium. Um, eventually, uh, those. <laughs> I counted. There was four hot tags of Von Wagner in this match. Four, four separate heat sequences on Kylo Ryan. Because um, I'm going to get angry before, and you know, I need to save some anger for it for someone else. I don't even remember who tweeted this, but someone, someone I saw on Twitter this morning that nearly made me throw my phone across the room. So uh, we get the moment. Oh, Von Wagner. No one cares. Uh, but Fabian Eichner's in there, and he caught Wagner on his shoulders. And like squatted and then hit this rolling scent on. And I, I went, I love you. I like just said it out loud <laughs> as it happened. Because it was amazing. Another hot tag for Von Wagner later on. He runs wild, throws suplexes, uh, hits Bartel the back suplex on the apron. O'Reilly diving knee on Fabian Eichner. Uh, Von Wagner gets a two count off a back suplex. But Imperium numbers advantage again. Take out Wagner. Set him up. Double drop kick. Uh, get a two count on that. Uh, they go for the Imperial Bomb, but Wagner fights out. Choke slams Fabian Eichner onto Marcel Bartel. They always, always look like they absolutely suck. But O'Reilly comes in, gets the heel hook on Bartel. Fabian Eichner goes, it's been a while that everyone's been talking about me. So hits that insane double springboard moonsault to break it all up. Um, Van Wagner takes out Bartel. Uh, O'Reilly puts a guillotine on Fabian Eichner. Uh, Fabian Eichner tries to power out. O'Reilly cradles him. Marcel Bartel pushes the cradle. And it looks like Imperium are going to steal one and retain their titles. It's a great near fall. And then just O'Reilly and Eichner just keep clashing. Uh, O'Reilly goes for that rebound Larry. The wacky line or whatever it used to be called. Goes for that. But Eichner hits him with one of his own. And they both go down. Um, o Eichner takes out uh, Wagner with a chop block. But uh, O'Reilly and Wagner bounce back and hit the high-low on Marcel Bartel. For a, I, I really bought on that. Um, but the referee was slow on the count because Eichner had distracted him. Uh, Barcel baits White Wagner out to the floor, tags in uh, Eichner, who hits this mad step-up dive onto him on the outside. O'Reilly catches uh, Eichner with a brain buster and gets a near fall, then uh, puts him in a cross-arm break and transitions into a triangle. But Eichner powers O'Reilly up and desperately trying to squeeze the life out of him, but looks up to be hit with an Imperial bomb. One, two, three, Imperium retain. And post, well, let's talk about the match and then we'll talk about the post-match, in fact. Holy God damn. Like, fair play. I, it wasn't in the script, was it, that um, Fabian Eichner and Kyle O'Reilly would try and have a five-star match in the middle of a mid-tag team match. But yes. fair play to them for trying. Jesus Christ. The stuff in this. You uh, you referenced the near fall, which I totally bit on. But as uh, Kyle O'Reilly was squeezing him down and squeezing him down into that triangle lock, I was with it there as well. Mm, and yeah. they just have no right. You've got... I'm no they Finally, they've not done it for ages, the arm drop spot, have they? Yeah. And like, how his body just crumpled 
like, and you thought the ref's going to have to call this. He's going to have to call this. And just as he was about to, like, there's power up at the last second. Like, pressing a button on a video game, cheat. Honestly, like, just the, the how, how he found that power source was just incredible. And I'm sure it wasn't deadlift, and I'm sure Kylie Riley went light, but it looks no mean feat to be able to have to lift a man up that when you've been selling yes. dead and going 100 miles an hour 15 minutes afterwards as well. Just a, like Kylie O'Reilly's selling throughout was sublime. I'll say this for, for all that Von Wagner kind of, well, let's be honest, he failed at bringing the heat to his hot tags all four times. <laughs> Kylie O'Reilly, like, I don't want to be too critical of Von Wagner here, but Kylie O'Reilly did everything he could to turn up the dial as he was making the tag. Like, I, I just thought Kyle O'Reilly's leg was fully hanging off beneath that knee pad and boot. Like, there, he had nothing left. I was willing to buy that their high low finisher wasn't strong enough because of how weak O'Reilly was. Mm. And that was what couldn't get it done. Like, they didn't need that ref two count delay for me because I just thought O'Reilly was so fantastic selling here. Um, where's he been? Where's he been all year? Maybe, maybe, you know, there is something to this. And this could be a personal tasting. I love Kyle O'Reilly, but like we've looked for the magic in a singles run that hasn't really materialized this mm-hmm. year in NXT. And maybe, and this is all right as well, maybe a lot of the magic is confined to tag matches where Kyle O'Reilly bursts forth rather than seeing him in these long singles. I have no doubt that in a better book company, and fingers crossed we are just weeks and months away from seeing this happen, Kyle O'Reilly could be a singles megastar, but maybe we've all just really missed the magic of seeing him go in tag matches like this. And again, fingers crossed in a few weeks, we'll get a bit more of that in a better book company. Um, Because this was, this had a bit of Undisputed Era takeover magic about it. And speaking of the Undisputed Era. Yeah, I just can't get over Fabian Eichner, man. I know he's he's sort of been hiding in plain sight, but what a showcase this was for him. Is this... Like, look, we we are consistent and we try and hold our hands up. Is this Imperium run good? Yeah, that's what I was just about it's, to say. It's tag title run. I think this is pretty good. I mean, it, 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 I was very much like, yeah, 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 hold the titles and then we can take it off and we give them to MSK, basically. And now I think, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Imperium with that version of Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. I shouldn't, shouldn't dismiss him something. But these two, this version of these two, I should say, not the boring, grumpy version that we've seen previously, mm. versus MSK. And then if you could just put Grizzled Young Veterans in there as well. I think <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just spitballing here. Anyway, so post-match, Carl uh, Riley's getting a lovely, I mean, effectively, send-off. I think we all know where he's going. Um, and, and Von Wagner gives him his moment. Then swings for him, betrays him mm. out of nowhere, swings for him. O'Reilly sees it coming, though, ducks. Beats him down, uh, throws up an undisputed era sign, and uh, and yells at Von Wagner as he storms out. Later on, he would uh, cut a promo. I'm just going to talk about it now. Actually, we'll talk about it all in, in one go, saying that he uh, he saw the saw the turn coming a mile off. Um, he's not as stupid as Von Wagner looks, and he challenged him to a cage match on Tuesday, which means we'll have two War Games matches, a cage match on Raw tonight, and a cage match on NXT on Tuesday. And we had two ladder matches to build at War Games. That's that's right, isn't it? Um, aye. I mean, that'll all be fodder for the preview, but it's it's really tricky. It's tricky booking to have a wrestler be wise to the turn because, yes, Kyle O'Reilly has got to say, does Von Wagner think I'm stupid? But what he's effectively saying is, does NXT booking think I'm stupid? Mm. They don't think I'd see through these bike rides they were making me go on. Like, it's a bit... We go back to this detail, but it's just what I'm particularly pleased with at the moment. It's Kenny Omega saying he couldn't watch the tape of Full Gear. Mm. That's important. That like that that really matters because the second he watches the tape, Matt Jackson's in the sh- isn't he? You know, like Kenny Omega can't watch the tape, otherwise some of this falls apart a little bit. And uh, so, like, fair play, Kyler Ryan's been watching the tapes. Yeah. Did um, here's me. Here's my most generous, maybe the most generous take of 2021. Right as we hit the end of it. Did uh, Kyle O'Reilly see Von Wagner helping out Adam Pearce on SmackDown or offering help Adam Pearce and immediately question him, question mm-hmm. his moral fibre from that point? Did WWE orchestrate an entire one-week call-up just for this turn or did like Vince McMahon legitimately think what Kyle O'Reilly said out loud? No, I'm not as stupid as this guy looks and just decided not to take him. Uh, I, it's, it's either, We're either getting worked and a bit more on that later with somebody else, maybe, but um, 
we're either getting worked or Von Wagner's winning a cage match and a loser is leaving town and that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think that's the direction they're going in. The thing I mentioned earlier about getting angry, seeing something on Twitter, is I saw someone say, well, I didn't really didn't see that Kyle O'Reilly heel turn coming. Sorry, Kyle O'Reilly heel turn? He didn't swing. Like, yeah, he beat this guy down, <laughs> but that's because he fucking tried to take his head off. He was been, he, yeah. he been doing too many 12-ounce curls. And you know, what are you talking <laughs> about, Kyle O'Reilly heel turn? I got so angry this morning. Hey, I mean, it's... I guess if you, you know what you got to think about the mindset of somebody like the wrestlers themselves that debuted in NXT 2.0. What about if somebody only ever started watching this in the 2.0 era? Week one was like, yeah, hey, I like this Von Wagner guy. Why is he hanging out with that little rat? I don't get why they're friends. Like this little rat, Kyle O'Reilly. Von Wagner's taking him for barbecues in the mountains. He's been there helping him out. Maybe their only canon is the yeah. last three months of television. Well, the, the, the main audience is 62-year-olds, so they probably can't remember what you can have <laughs> an XT by now. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, let's get to the highlight of the show. It's the hair versus hair match. Versus Duke Bloody Hudson. Uh, You can probably tell that I was really happy about the result of this match. I was jazzed and uh, I got very terrified uh, in the immediate aftermath of the bell ringing because I thought, "Uh uh-oh, he's not KO'd. (laughs) And I know what's going to happen. Also, I swear at one point, commentary said, well, you know, because the, the story of this match was obviously Duke Hudson overpowering Cameron Grimes, but Cameron Grimes being too bloody great to be put down by something like that. I'll swear, tell me if I'm wrong about this, Hample. I'll swear at one point Vic Joseph was like, you got a lot, you know, a lot of trouble on your hands if you're trying to take down six foot six Duke Hudson. Isn't this Twitter handle literally six foot five? <laughs> I mean, it might, I haven't seen if that's the case, but yeah. Um, I mean, either way. You bet. You bet. If that's the second time this podcast. You really, you could honestly watch this show on mute, and I don't think you'd be any worse off. If anything, you hear it might be slightly better. Yep, there it is. At six foot five with lots of eyes is his Twitter <laughs> handle. And Vic Josie was like, oh, six foot six, Duke Hudson. Are you kidding me, Vic, with this one? Anyway, 
Let's get to the match. Uh, like I said, uh, Hudson overpowers Grimes, sends him over the top rope, slams into the steel steps. It's all very close in because of the two rings, basically. Uh, Grimes fights back, though. Cannonball sent on. Uh, Hudson hits him with a beautiful-looking urinal to take control, though. Um, Grimes hits a moonsault on Hudson for a two-count, but uh, then Hudson chucks him out onto the floor. Hudson dominates here. Abdominal stretches. He's just, you know... Just beating him down, beating him down. They basically do a spot that we'd go to the ad break if this was on telly and then we come back because he's just stretching him for a minute or two. Uh, but Grimes flips out, of a su- flips out of a suplex, Inseguri, Spanish fly for a two count. Uh, again, fights out of another slam from Duke Hudson to hit a DDT and get a near fall again. Uh, hits a soccer kick, hits a sunset flip, but Hudson grabs him into a cradle, grabs the ropes for leverage, but thankfully the ref sees it and stops the count at two. This would factor in later on. Grimes hits a reverse hurricane runner and a nice high cross body for another near fall. Hudson hits the uh, big boss man slam for a two count as well. Love the fact that he's got that in his repertoire now. Goes to the razor's edge, but Grimes counters out of it. Hurricane runner roll up. Yes, he gets a big old handful of tights, but he gets the three count. He is victorious. Duke Hudson is going to be shaved bald. But like I said, Hudson wasn't KO'd. He hadn't been hit with a cave-in, so he still has wits about him. So he attacked Cameron Grimes and went to shave his head. And I thought, don't you fucking dare. I was absolutely furious at this point. But thankfully, Grimes fights out of it, cave-in on Duke Hudson, props him up in the barber's chair and shaves off his hair. Uh, but Duke Hudson's a handsome bastard. He'll be fine. Just very, very, very happy that my boy was victorious here, Hamlet. Yeah, as I assumed you would be. I, oh, I thought this match was sort of worryingly basic. Um, they had a, a bit of a job, I guess, following not only a War Games match, but then uh, just a total visceral thrill of the, the peaks of that tag team match that we've just described. And... Um, I, I, I just don't think they managed to sort of keep the energy up that it at least for all, you know, the fault of some of the booking in NXT 2.0 and the chaos that reigns on this show. I just don't think that this was maybe the match for this point in the show. It didn't highlight Duke Hudson in any way. And by default, it thus didn't really highlight Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes gets to play veteran presence here. And look, we're putting him over on, Friday's preview as being a future world champion on NXT. He seems custom built to wear the belt of this brand, but you sort of therefore responsible to have this sleeper hit on the show Mm. as a result. Um, I thought the booking was cute enough. Duke Hudson sucks at everything. That's what we've learned. He can't play poker and he can't play the wrestling (laughs) version of poker. He can't do the cheating, but the other guy can do the cheating because he can play the long game better than him. Like Duke Hudson's rubbish at everything. This What's NXT 2.0 is so closer to WWE than original NXT ever was because they are unwittingly burying their prospects. You've got like in the last match, a turn that the veteran could see. You've got in the opener, a move that is so dangerous that it injures the young plucky upstart just for attempting it. And now you've got here the expert cheat failing to cheat and getting out cheated by a baby face and then attempting to cheat the stipulation and getting out cheated at that as well. Like he sucks at everything. And it's not like he's would love to kiss my ass match and then made Dolph Ziggler kiss his ass anyway. I was like, well, so what was the point of yeah. that? That's it. You got to pay it off, but your heels look like dicks if you book it through like this. And then, I mean, this is the, often the case with wrestling haircuts. There's some, I'll tell you what I was, what was cursed by here. I'd watched From a Sins and because I just don't know any better, the episode of the Ruthless Aggression docuseries about um, <laughs> women's wrestling in the mid 2000s and they were daring to call it a revolution. And look, Trish Stratus and Lita and Molly Holly and Victoria and all of those women from that time are awesome. But let's not, like they were trying to put over the diva search for Christ's sake as a good thing. Like how I, like let's, speak about this era for what it really was but within that anyway uh, Molly Holly was talking about being willing to get a head shave to get on Wrestlemania and to get a proper woman's match on Wrestlemania and she did and she did and that match was better than this match and that head shave was substantially better than this one because Duke got his trim didn't he like lots mm. of hair missing at the front and then it was like cover up and off to the back so I didn't even particularly feel satisfied by the conclusion we'll get a follow through on Tuesday I'm sure mm. but all a bit of a miss this man uh, then we got a selection of videos again uh, that we've seen before. Draco Anthony, Casey Kanzar and Caden Carter. Just love to have fun, honestly. Oh, they can't get enough of it. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and... Everybody, right? They Sorry, just to interrupt. Everybody, for those that haven't watched this show and are only listening to us, everybody on the roster got one of these profile vignettes. Yeah. Like, it felt like there was nobody from the conversation. Some people got two, which we're going to talk about. Indeed. We knew who the most profile wrestlers were, but if you weren't in a match, effectively, you were in one of these vignettes. And I have to think that with what they've advertised for Tuesday, they genuinely felt like maybe this was the first thing people were watching. Lapsed mm. NXT fans might have been watching. And this was an earnest attempt to use the show as a bit of a carnival barker to come back on Tuesday as well. Uh, there was a video for grizzled young veterans who showed that they could distract delivery drivers. And if they can do that, they can do that with referees. They stole some food, basically. There's nothing to say here. Uh, and they announced uh, NXT New Year's Evil for January 4th. So we come back to work just in time for an insane week, basically. The first roar <laughs> of the new year will be the first thing we review because we're back on the Tuesday because of the way the bank holidays work here in England. Then we'll have New Year's Evil. And then if I'm not mistaken, but then we get the new Dynamite on TBS after that. We do. And you're also forgetting that the Raw we'll be reviewing will be day one fallout. Oh, God, so yeah. That makes the bullet points easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'll save discussions of vignettes and stuff for uh, after this next match, because it was the Cruiserweight Championship match with one person who doesn't hit the weight limit for Cruiserweight Championship, but still Joe Gacy challenging Roderick Strong. Uh, this was just now to me, aside from, mm. oh, God, I wish they'd do more with Roderick Strong. He's so good. So Gacy tries to do his inclusivity, come here, give me a cuddle stuff, and Strong's like, I don't want to do that. Uh, so we, Gacy goes, off, oh, fair enough, and then just tries to chin Roderick Strong. So, uh, of course, Roderick Strong breaks out the backbreaker and makes me think, oh, yeah, God, I miss that Roderick Strong week in, week out. Just give him more. Just put him on telly more because... Mm. I just love him. Uh, Gacy fights back, though. Uh, hits a massive lariat to the back of the head of Roderick Strong. So Roderick Strong responds by chopping Gacy so much he splits his shirt open in the corner. Uh, they fight on the apron. Gacy hits a bicycle kick. Strong comes back uh, later with a rising knee and a nice superplex. Double knee gut buster. Olympic slam gets a near fall off that. Strong goes for a submission. Uh, Gacy slowly counters it, though, and gets him in a cross face. And Strong has to get his foot on the ropes to force a break. Um, what's Diamond Mine cheer him on uh, in amongst all this? Uh, Gacy flip dives onto Strong and one of the Creed brothers who are there at ringside. And suddenly Joe Gacy is facing off with one member of Diamond Mine, Ivy Nile and Hardland comes up behind her and picks her up. Joe Gacy effectively has to say, please don't beat up this woman. In amongst all this, Gacy gets back in and Strong has recovered enough to hit the jumping knee, end of heartache. He retains the Cruiserweight Championship, which is the best thing that could happen in this surreal match. Uh, who was Joe Gacy about to beat up on Tuesday's NXT before being interrupted by Diamond Mine? I think it was a woman. I think you'll find it was a woman. Like, that was just one of the reasons why none of this made any sense. I'm not just picking on that for picking on its sake. Roderick Strong flanked by a stable of killers being positioned as the in-ring babyface, while Joe Gacy, who had a psychopath, but only one on his side that was only prepared to beat up a woman, was somehow positioned as the babyface. A psychopath with like, quite, a, quite a literal psychopath with a quite literal baby face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. The dynamics were... Like, they doomed this match before it was even officially booked, in truth. And television didn't go anywhere to fixing that. Like, why didn't why didn't Joe Gacy, using his young people's speak, try and call Roderick Strong's bluff and say, look, I just want a safe space and I don't feel safe if Diamond Mind are there. Why don't you just come at this alone on Sunday? And Roderick Strong goes, yeah, all right then. And then Joe Gacy uses Harlan to cheat. And then you've got a clear sort of divide between the two and Roderick Strong is the better wrestler, the more mm. experienced wrestler, and he wins on the night because he shows his worth as a wrestler rather than this, rather than this, which was something the fans couldn't get behind. This was just a match happening in front of us. You said mm. it was now, didn't you? Like, this was just a, a series of moves, some of them very good, mm. happening oh, yeah. in front, like some of them happening, like really good, but all of it just happening in front of you with a dynamic that never even attempted to make sense. You know, like, we're going to talk about this in the main event and the opener littered with problems because of the babyface heel order. But, like, this, in both cases, opener and main event, 
as lame as the attempts were, they kind of made attempts to try and explain away the stupid position they've put the wrestlers in. They mm. didn't even do that here. It was just like, well, these people are behaving like the weird guys they are. It's a couple of weird guys doing backbreakers. Why, would, <laughs> why do I care about that? Why am I bothered about that? Like, not, not great, this. And I, like, so Joe Gacy has failed in his quest. Does that mean, um, so Roderick Strong remains cruiserweight champion and we immediately go back to two or five live defences? And thus, Odyssey Jones, an actual babyface, is sat there going, oh, kind of wish Joe Gacy would have won there. Would have opened the door back up for me. I've it's no a idea. hard read, isn't it? Hard read. I mean, they're getting rid of the Cruiserweight Championship without question, so it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. Right. Um, we often talk about show, don't tell when it comes to WWE. Show me Vince McMahon is in charge of NXT 2.0 without telling me. Well, we got Ikamenjiro video. We already had the one earlier with his variety of jackets. But this time, Michael Hamlet, he's, he's <laughs> eating food. He's eating so much pizza and ice cream. He has he has two goatee. He has round two. Um, nom, 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 loves all that. And then suddenly, ooh, got a bit of a stomach ache. And he goes and do a, does a poopy in the toilet. Look, you know Will Bond and I know, and everybody listening, that nothing is funnier than... But I at least thought it was the dog kind, not the human kind. I thought that Vincent Mann's specific kink was dog and that Michael Cole screaming, the dog poop, the dog poop, would be enough to like buy him 30 odd years of patter. But then you hear that story where you remember that when he sharted and the chasing Gerald Briscoe around, was it yeah. with the pants on a stick? Is that who it was? Triple H, daddy, love me, daddy, daddy. Can I have a fruit shoot, daddy? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Um, what was this? Like, we're, I'm watching a show that's got like Boa being possessed and nobody ringing the police, nobody like having this man cared for. And that felt more attuned to a wrestling show than Ikimijiro attacking himself. Uh, I just thought. What am I watching here? Get to the main event, basically. Yeah. Uh, they no, did. I didn't put... We just abused a visual that NXT 2.0 provided. I didn't put this over in the open, so I'll just put it over now. Because it doesn't particularly factor in. I liked the cages in the crowd. I just yes, I did as well. Made good use of space. And I'm ashamed of what they're going to do. Like, you know when it used to be like, oh, Vincent Mann doesn't want to take up uh, ticket space. Like, that is, this building's the least of his worries. It's just like that. There was nobody sitting there. It's absolutely yeah. fine. But okay, but two cages there. Put four cages. Not really yeah, I liked it. I thought it looked good. Uh, but from an uh, an eye watering segment to a moment that uh, brought a tear to my eye. Let's talk about Johnny Gargano's entrance here. Oh, it, it was lovely. This um, two positives and a negative. So I'll do the negative first. Why this was sweetened, wasn't it? Like if you watch this back. You could hear the mm, maybe. SmackDown, ha- SmackDown hairdryer playing. I actually wanted to hear more of the theme. And then the fans, a few of them as there are, I don't know, 200 in that building, 400 maybe. I was happy to hear them just cheering over top of it because it was lovely. It was really, really lovely. Gargano sold it well. And he's guilty of melodrama. He's old Johnny. And I thought he measured it just right. His gear, right? God forbid we ever do a review without putting over Jonathan Davenport for another triumph. But that man can do no wrong. Yes. And he has nailed it yet again. The Johnny Takeover. Look, I'm not a Marvel guy, but I'm a Johnny Gargano Takeover guy. And every single time he's come out with this Marvel gear, and then three days later, somebody has explained, has got it through my thick block head about what Marvel superhero that relates to and why it relates to Johnny's story at that moment. Great. Seeing a greatest hits of all of those colours, specifically in the Johnny Takeover font, where every letter is a different font tying to the gear of old. Mwah! Just absolutely inspired. Um, I'll take, by the spoonful, every callback that they gave us in this match for this specific 48-hour period because I have some concerns about Tuesday night. So don't work me, bro. Just let me enjoy this for two days. Yes, the gear, him coming out to Rebel Heart, oh, just great. And the fact he stopped the match with Carmelo Hayes. 
Uh, team mm-hmm. 2.0, by the way, Carmelo Hayes, Bron Breaker, Grayson Waller, and Donny D'Angelo, Team Black and Gold, Johnny Gargano, Tommy Chomper, Pete Dunn, uh, sorry, Pete Dunn, and LA Knight. But yes, K- Hayes and Gargano start us off uh, because they work so well together. Back and forth between these two, kept countering each other. Uh, but then Gargano does finally, after attempting it a few times, hit the slingshot spear. Uh, but Hayes jumps up on the cage, um, buys some time for himself. It's a diving back elbow. Uh, Gargano hit a fantastic sunset bomb before Grayson Waller was added in. Look at this, the heels with the numbers advantage. So Gargano tries to make a comeback, but uh, he gets overwhelmed by the two-on-one factor of this. Uh, at one point as well, Grayson Waller kicks him and busts Gargano wide open. <laughs> Tries to make a comeback. Trick Williams, who's fast becoming one of my favourite things in NXT, uh, yeah. attempts to stop that by hoying some chairs into the uh, Um And Gargano twats Williams' hands with the chairs. He tried to climb up into the cage, cell, whatever you want to call it. Um, Pete Dunne comes out to uh, to even the odds, runs wild on uh, Carmelo Hayes and Grayson Waller, X-Plex on Hayes on top of Waller, and then I loved him just contorting Grayson Waller's fingers through the cage. It's just, I never get tired of it. Um, and Gargano and Dunne have this moment of sort of clarity together where they just realise they both love kicking the crap out of these young upstarts. Uh, they both put them in submissions, uh, but Waller breaks out and hits a stunner on both of them. Next up was the real star, Donny D'Angelo. Uh, he gets help from Trick Williams and bringing in some tables and other stuff from under the ring. Um, but as Trick Williams goes under the ring the final time, he starts, his legs are flailing all over the place and he backs out to reveal a returning Dexter Lewis. I never thought I'd pop this much. With it. I was like, oh, Dexter's here. Oh, he comes out, he chases off Trick Williams, he gives his dad, father-in-law, whatever sorry, you call Sorry, how, how, is it, how is it that we didn't see the contents of a Ziploc bag from under a ring, but we did see a full human being in Dexter Lewis? <laughs> so Dexter Lewis gives the thumbs up to his father-in-law and chases off Trick Williams. Um, but Tony D'Angelo, because he's got those uh, he's got those street smarts, uh, he realises that the time is running out, so he padlocks the door shut. <laughs> so as LA Knight comes down, he goes... Right, let me in. And they go, oh, we can't. <laughs> so instead, he uh, he climbs over the cage, runs wild on everyone, power slams uh, Tony D'Angelo onto Grayson Waller and starts swinging around a kendo stick. Pops Waller in a trash can, twats that with a kendo stick, and then Dunn and Gargano simultaneously drop kick it. And uh, Dunn, again, just poor Grayson Waller's hands today must be in agony because he was just getting... Bent all over the place, uh, including kendo stick shots and just the edge of a bin. I don't know why that seemed the worst of all the things that Pete Dunne did to Grayson Waller. It was horrible. Um, Braun Breaker comes down. Uh, eventually gets to use those. But I don't know why they do these things to themselves sometimes, WWE. Why do a faffy bolt cutter spot that just dragged on because it just wasn't working properly? Have you not learned from Mark Henry all those years ago? Anyway. And, uh, sorry, I just, I got to interject there. You know why they've gone for that exact spot though, haven't you? Because we all remember when that's got to be Kane. Oh my God, he's got ball cutters. And he <laughs> cut the lock of the Hell in a Cell to get in to get to The Undertaker. That's how it happened, wasn't it? Mm. Re- wrestling's definitely like not predetermined and they didn't gimmick the door so it could just be ripped off its hinges. Or I just misremembered that. He literally did a rip-off side of the cell for Braun Strowman at Mania a year or two ago. Yeah. But she was that this year. It was this year. It was on it was Shane McMahon because of Gunge. Remember Gunge? Stupid. That was this this idea. Uh, but anyway, he comes in, <laughs> runs wild, suplexes, power slams. Quite popular, Ron Breaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big start. <laughs> <laughs> Top heel. <laughs> Peter Dune uh, tries to take him out, and Ron Breaker's like, Is there Augustus? Is there Augustus? He just picks him up, hoys him over the top rope, uh, and then he throws Gargano onto both Pete Dunne and LA Knight until in comes Tommaso Ciampa, uh, brings a kendo stick with him to help with the comeback. It's just stuff everywhere at this point. Um, Ciampa uh, running knees with the trash can lid on all four opponents in the corners. Carmelo Hayes attacks him with a kendo stick and uh, talks about being the A champion. But Gargano saves Champa 
not with a chair, not with a kendo stick, but with a crutch shot. Absolutely out, brilliant. For, um, well, maybe Paul went out for the you know. <laughs> Yes. Uh, a lovely call back that, though. DIY Chance and Champer and Gargano work together to uh, to regain control. And uh, then Team 2.0 fight back. They've got black and gold surrounded in between the rings. And they all look at each other and go, oh, these bloody youngsters, eh? Fire up, fight back. Waller gets hoied into the cage. Um, and uh, black and gold team beat them all down. And I did like the spot with uh, Pete Dunne propping a trash can between the ropes and Gargano lawn darting Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes took some great um, bumps in this. Not as bad as what Grayson Waller took, though. It looks like he was going to get hit with a uh, air raid crash through a table. Donny D'Angelo, because he's a good friend. huh? He's someone you can always defend on or look out for you. Cuts him off. But that leaves Grayson Waller stuck on the top rope. And Knight, LA Knight, springs up there and just hoys him through the table. And I thought, wow. Well, at least Grayson Waller's had his uh, rough spot of the night. Nope. Um, so, Donny D'Angelo and Bron Breaker, I think my favourite team ever, work together. <laughs> they uh, powerbomb Pete Dunne and Johnny Gargano in a nice Tower of Doom spot that Carmelo Hayes has to take the worst off. No one really mentions that. Uh, but once Hayes gets up, he turns around into the uh, BFT from LA Knight for a nice near fall. Carmelo does manage to hit the air raid uh, crash on Bron Breaker uh, through a trash can. That gets a near fall. Uh, Tony D'Angelo sets up another table for their family like they're going over the Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, what's happening? Oh, yeah. Um, tells Grayson Waller to get up on the cage, and he does. Tony puts LA Knight on the table, and uh, Grayson Waller hits another huge spot, uh, an elbow drop from the top of the cage. It uh, looks like he's going to have the match won, but Pete Dunne breaks it up in the nick of time. So Donnie D'Angelo thinks, uh, huh, okay, a wise guy, huh? So he goes under the ring, sort of goes down like a weird hole that he's found, pulls out a crowbar, uh, but Pete Dunne's got a kendo stick. Twats him with that. Feels like he's dealt with Tony, but Donnie, uh, yeah, you can count him out and you can him right back in again, huh? Uh, he... Uh, <laughs> As Pete Dunn turns his attention to Carmelo Hayes, Tony D'Angelo cuts Dunn off, traps him against the cage with the crowbar, steals his mouth guard. And I thought, oh, God, this is going to be a storyline we're going to come back to in the coming weeks. And hits a crowbar-assisted neckbreaker off the top rope, which leaves just the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa, and leader of the heels, Braun Breaker. Uh Snap Frankensteiner from Bron Baker, Bron Breaker even. Uh, Gargano gets involved. They do a nice DIY spot. Um, Gargano hits one final beat on Breaker to remind us of that fantastic match that he and uh, Champa had. Um, they hit DIY together, but Carmelo Hayes pulls the official out of the way as it looks like they've got the match won. Uh, he then pokes Champa in the eye. Uh, Gargano gets hit with a low blow in amongst all this. Um, Gargano gets taunted by Hayes, who gets hit with a running knee from Champa. Champa sets up for the fairy tale ending on Carmelo Hayes. This must have sucked if you were Carmelo Hayes. It was a rough bump for all of them anyway. But being held in the fairy tale ending position to then just get hit with a spear uh, by Bron Breaker to send both of them, but mainly the focus obviously was on Champa through a table. Uh, Bron Breaker power slams uh, Champa after putting him up in a military press. One, two, three. Team 2.0 defeat Team Black and Gold, Michael Hamflet. Uh, yeah, I thought this was, I think I admired the ambition of all of this but it was too ambitious for its own good. The mm -hmm. things they tried to, the things they tried to achieve in this match um, and Christ, did they give it plenty of time to do just that as well? I'm not sure they really managed all of like any of them that well, uh, including Bron Breaker being the outright winner that we all knew he would be. You know, you knew that the night was going to end with a huge spotlight on Bron Breaker as the winner of this match and NXT 2.0s, the future is now and all that sort of stuff. But, I just feel like there were so many other ways to skin that specific cat than mm -hmm. the one they did here. This, um, 
like Champa came in, and then this last like well, it was nearly twenty minutes, wasn't it, before we got a finish? Yeah, probably. Like, it was about forty minutes too that long. match. Long, like two, like long, long, and I know they wanted to like with Champa coming in last. You can't do some of them are quite elegantly arranged. Some of your DIY stuff, for example, mm-hmm. until they're both in there together. So bite the bullet and don't or figure out a way to do it immediately after he gets in there before Breaker puts him away. If, if it's something you really want to do, and I get it because I feel like it's feeding into something bigger with Gargano and it has to has to happen like this on the night, then just do it straight away. Have them come in, do a ton of nostalgia stuff and then just have Bron Breaker like wipe them all out. The second that Tony D'Angelo locked the cage door, I envisaged two things happening and neither of them did. And the reason I'm saying that is because maybe my internal fantasy book have felt let down and that skewed what I thought of what actually happened or I'm better at this than they are. And I'll guess I'll let you and our listeners decide because there's the two things I thought was going to happen when Tony D'Angelo locked that door. Number one, I thought LA Knight was going to come down, take a look at it, sell, how do I get in? And then do the double arm, ah, forget about it. Like, not like Tony D'Angelo, but like just, it turns out that all of our criticisms about LA Knight were right. He isn't part of this NXT black and gold history. He's a guy that just sort of was chancing his arm to get in in a main event slot. And he's a heel as well. Hmm. So he just leaves them high and dry, you know, in a war games. He looks at that lock and think, ah, never mind. Like Champa can't get him from the mini cage. The boys can't get him from within inside. And then you've got somebody that wants to take revenge for this sleazy, horrible turncoat on NXT on Tuesday night. And they didn't do that. He just climbed up and got in the cage. So he kind of rendered the lock meaningless which then undermines the fact that Bron Breaker was insistent on tearing it. Why didn't Bron Breaker just climb up the walls as well? LA and Ike's just done it, and Bron Breaker's 10 years younger and twice the athlete, so he tells us. So why didn't he just shimmy up the... Like, you've shown that it turns out that Tony D'Angelo's master plan is pretty penetrable. Just <laughs> like, so the fact that, like, not only does LA Knight sort of look kind of like a conquering hero only to get into the match and just settle into the, the fog of all the violence. You kind of then undermine Bron Breaker before he's even gotten in there because he mm. insists on getting the, the bolt cutters, you know? Um, I I just thought that was needless. He should have pulled the door off. That was the other thing I was assuming. Yeah, was a absolutely. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, he's ripping the door off and that's going to look awesome. And again, I go back to just, they were trying to fit so much in and they just got it all asked about tip for me. If Bron Breaker rips the door off, walks in, sees mostly a wasteland in front of him and then just powers through Tommaso Ciampa and beats him with ease. You've got everything you need from the Braun Breaker night mm. without having to a, a align him with heels when he's getting these monster pops. Like, he's got to stand alongside the heels. Not just any heels, one that tried to lock him out of his own fight <laughs> in Tony D'Angelo. Like, they've got to revisit that, haven't they? Like, Tony D'Angelo was like, hey, that chain cost me money. <laughs> Come on, Braun. I got a steel guy. He's on my ass. Like, <laughs> Braun Breaker's got to break bread. Braun Breaker breaking bread. Mm. Uh, with these dickheads, these cowards <laughs> and crooks. And like, I love Williams and Hayes. They're the best thing on NXT. We love Tony D'Angelo, but realistically, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams feels like like the only thing on the show that feels like yeah. it could easily be transported to another wrestling show. Um, and they're kind of just tits, really, aren't they? <laughs> like just, a, just a couple of dweebos that, like, Bron Breaker is going to elevate up. The violence felt less um, creative for the most part. The weapons violence, I should say. Yeah. It felt less creative than the women's match as well. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's paid for you with two war games on. There's always going to be one that feels slightly more drabber and draggier than the other. And I think in this case, it was the men's for me. I don't think that's the first time that's happened where um, I, I think they got it right once and I'm biased, but I was there in person. I think 2019, they got that one bang right and they were totally different. And yeah. one was about more than just a cage fight and the other one was a brawl. I think the last two years, you've had two fairly similar big plunder brawls and it gets pretty exhausting when your second one's going 40 minutes or whatever. Mm. So I think this mostly missed but there were two big takeaways. 
and they've become the conversation. Bron Breaker wins, and what next for Johnny Gargano? So, like, maybe, like, I'm not saying 40 minutes was worth it for those two things, but they will see this as them getting what they wanted out of it. Yeah, exactly. This served this, this served a purpose, and like, like I said at the start, it, it, it did what it set out to do, in my opinion. There may have been some missteps along the way, but I was pleasantly surprised with this this whole, whole show, really, but in particular the, the, the War Games matches and a goddamn tag team match blew me away. Um, and yeah, lots to discuss on our next preview tomorrow. Not just War Games fallout, uh, but yes, Bron Breaker seems to have proven to any doubters that he can put away the world champion. And is this the end for Johnny Gargano in NXT? We will discuss both of those things tomorrow with both of the dadly boys but let us know your thoughts on wall games on twitter at what culture wwe uh watch that you can follow both of us you can follow michael hamflit at michael hamflit you can follow me at adam wilborn follow us all at what culture wwe and make sure you subscribe to what culture wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts you're getting your money's worth even though we don't charge you today because we've got the smackdown review the rampage review and the uh, Monday Night Raw preview to come as well later on today too. But for now, this has been the NXT War Games review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.